Welcome to the Next Level Soul podcast, where we ask the big questions about life. Why are we here? Is this all there is? What is my soul's mission? We attempt to answer those questions and more by bringing you raw and inspiring conversations with some of the most fascinating and thought-provoking guests on the planet today. I am your host, Alex Ferrari. I've always wanted to help the audience take their soul to the next level, so I've partnered with Mind Valley and other amazing free courses on spirituality, mind, body, soul, longevity, wealth, and so much more. All you need to do is go to nextlevelsoul.com forward slash free. Disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the guest and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of the show, its host, or any of the companies they represent. Now, in this episode, I welcome back RJ Spina to the show. Now, in our last conversation, we talked about quantum healing and being able to heal yourself with the power of your own mind and body. But today, we had a conversation dabbling a little bit in quantum physics, but really diving deep in Ascendant Masters and unlocking the mysteries of these unknown spiritual beings. It is a magical conversation. So let's dive in. I'd like to welcome back to the show, returning champion, RJ Spina. How are you doing, RJ? <laughs> it's great to be back. I'm doing well. Thanks, Alex. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, you know, you were one of my first guests that uh, when the show started, and I had such a wonderful conversation with you, uh, your story of coming back from a, an insane injury that would have normally crippled, literally crippled, most people and how you were able to rebuild your your back and all that story. And if anybody wants to hear that amazing story, I'll put that those links in the show notes uh, of listening to that interview because that's a beautiful interview in regards to energy healing and things like that. But in this this conversation, um, I love your perspective. I want to talk about something because your perspective on things and the way you explain things is is so unique uh, and specific and clear where you don't get caught in the weeds too much. So I wanted to talk about very simple things like quantum physics and the nature of reality. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah, we'll start very small. We'll, we'll start, start very small. small yeah. But so, you know, a lot as, as a lot of people listening are aware, spirituality and quantum physics are starting to intersect a lot more now than ever before. It's pissing off the, the, the physics community, uh, but the quantum physics community is excited about it. Um, and the the overlap is pretty remarkable considering that it's catching up to what spirituality or the Vedas or uh, all these kind of concepts have been around for thousands of years. Mm -hmm. So from your perspective, let's start off with simulation theory, because it's one of my, I just love talking about simulation theory because it is such an exciting idea. But when you get past the whole matrix of it all, uh, of the, you know, we're in a, in, a, in a simulated reality, all this kind of stuff, the deeper understandings of what is actually happening is fascinating. And then when you start inserting uh, God, source, spirituality into it, and you start connecting the dots, it's pretty fascinating. So I leave the floor open to you, sir. Let's have a conversation about it. That sounds good. Okay. Simulation theory. Yeah, I'm I'm asked about this, or at least my my uh direct uh experience with uh, with things like this, higher states of consciousness and so on and so forth. So 
I wouldn't necessarily say that uh, what we're experiencing or that simulation theory is entirely accurate. I would say it's a step in the right direction. Mm -hmm. That's for sure. And the first thing that we can say is that nothing is actually real except your experience of it is. So with that as the foundation, okay, we can start to we can start to bridge and sort of connect the dots with that. Okay. <clears throat> Parallel conditions absolutely exist. And so I can explain because simulation theory has a lot to do with that and also has a lot to do with the fact that no one actually dies when we say this is a simulated uh, reality or it's a simulation. It's not a simulation because like I said, nothing is real except your experience of it is real. So if we start to look at what an incarnation is, how it works, and how parallel conditions are created, which is where we get fractals from. So every time, Alex, that we have a choice, okay, should I move to New York or should I move to California? Okay. Our human mind, at least within the low frequencies of the physical universe, can only register that one conscious choice was made. So let's say we decide to move to New York. Okay. But because existence itself is conscious, various levels of consciousness, various levels of sentience, really, we can get into the difference between consciousness and sentience. But because existence itself has a level of consciousness and a level of sentience, and we can call that God, source, creator, because that is what it is. So when there is an energy behind going to move into California, moving to New York, there's energy behind both of those things. Now, if there's energy behind both of those things, that means that there is sentience that can be accrued from either one of those things, and both of them actually manifest themselves. So anytime there's an opportunity for consciousness to evolve, it actually happens because existence itself is consciousness. So we think and, and have moved to New York, but there is also a version of Alex that also moved to California. Now, we can't access this in our conscious mind. The higher mind can access this. So if we start to look at this, if we start to expand this, okay, every time you have a choice, a condition is made, a parallel condition is made, right? Should I have steak or should I have fish? A parallel condition is actually made. There is evolutionary content that's being gained from that. If you look at one single incarnation, Alex, just one, and we start to look at how many choices no. have we made and what, right? Okay, you can't even count it. You can't count it. Okay, all of those things actually manifest and come into reality in what we call parallel conditions. Now, all of those experiences you are having, you just can't tangibly or consciously tap into that. Well, you can, but you, most of us cannot tap into these other experiences that are happening concurrently and in parallel. Now, in one single lifetime, all those choices, millions and sometimes billions of parallel conditions are actually created. Now, when we start to operate in what I call the superhuman way, we will be able to tap into all of that evolutionary content. And that's through intuition or through meditation. So when we're able to work, let's say, mastering being present, which means the rational thinking mind is completely turned off, completely turned off, right? The river of intuition will flow, and this will be the this will be your wisdom. All of that evolutionary content that is happening right now, all the different Alexes actually become available to you. And so one single lifetime, this supreme intelligence can enter into your life 
in any single lifetime, once you actually master being present and non-identification with your ego mind identity. Because our consciousness, if you think of water, right? Water will just flow unless you put something in front of it. Water just keeps going and going and going and going and going. Well, consciousness, sentience to be more specific, is much finer than water. So if you don't pour your sentience into any one container, into, into any one single belief, concept, ideology, identification, this takes total detachment, but this is also possible. All of that supreme intelligence now enters into your life because all of these things are happening concurrently and they're all you. So talk about being guided in a way that humanity has not tasted yet. This is what the superhuman starts to look like. They have a level of wisdom, intuition, and tangible knowingness that goes so far beyond physical sensory perception and therefore the intellect. This is the direction, and this is what starts to happen as we ascend the frequencies and go up in much higher frequencies. The availability of this information becomes easier. But that is that is how parallel conditions are created. We have access to this information. Now, we could say all of these things. I don't feel it's entirely accurate. We could say all of those realities are simulations. We could say everything is a simulation. We could say the entire multiverse is just a bubble of God's imagination because it is, mm -hmm. right? So I think sometimes uh, the intellect uses too many theoretical assumptions rather than tangible proof or tangible authenticity in, in terms of direct experience. And this is why the yogic masters, the ascended masters, they have been having these experiences and talking about these experiences since time was ever even invented. And so it always takes, yesterday's metaphysics is today's science, Today's metaphysics is tomorrow's science. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. So the intellect is forever trying to catch up to what these advanced, we'll just call them advanced beings if you like, what these advanced beings have been tapping into and doing from the very get-go. So I wouldn't necessarily call it a simulation because nothing is real except your experience of it is. But this is why there's fractals and this is why there's parallel realities because existence god source creator is conscious itself and if there's an opportunity for its own evolution it actually happens we just can't tap into it with our human finite mind so with like the double split experiment where the, ob the nothing is in existence unless it's being observed yeah. is that very powerful idea and then all I keep seeing as you were talking was Zelda. And as you walk through Zelda, the Legend of Zelda, the Nintendo game, the world was being created depending on where that where Link walked. And it was being created. So arguably our existence is being created that this is when you're this is when the smoke starts coming out of the ears. Um, you start cranking it, your head starts to hurt. Where we go, the simulation changes or presents itself because that's an agreement we have with the code or the reality that we are in. But because there's so many of us, that we all agree that this is a tree. We all agree that this is the sky. We all agree there's that agreement that that's why we're constantly moving around in this quote-unquote reality. And is it simulation or not? is I, it's it's semantics as regards to the word simulation yeah. but 
I always look at it very much because of, of something. It's basically code. It's a it's universal code, like a computer code creating mm -hmm. an environment. And some of these yogic masters, some of these ascended masters are become Neo and they see the code and can manipulate the code in ways that look magical to us. But yet they are able to manipulate. I mean, water into wine, you know, levitation for yogis. I mean, these concepts, these are are mythological stories. But more more likely nowadays, the yogic stuff is starting to come out more and more uh, in regards to being actually being able to be done. So, is that is that make sense to you? And 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 also one other little t tidbit there, the concept of consciousness in regards to these in regards to our reality they, we are living through multiple layers of consciousness and multiple realities because my cat's reality is different than my reality the tree's reality which is a, it is a conscious being different sense of consciousness because mm -hmm. it turns its leaves to catch the sun it, it has some sort of consciousness but the cat has a higher level of consciousness as we have a higher level of consciousness over the cat as the ascended master has one higher over or many higher over us. So is that also an agreement as well that all of this consciousness, all these expressions of God or source energy is all part of this reality? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. There's a lot, there's a lot there we can, <laughs> we can deconstruct. Okay. The first thing I'll say is, is that uh, truly advanced or, or we'll, we'll call them supreme beings or advanced beings. They absolutely exist. It's 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 not a myth. It's where we get superheroes from. It's where we get the Greek and Roman gods from. And these are the ascended masters. They're the children of the Elohim. And I explain this in great detail in my self-mastery course, in detail in ways that humanity really hasn't heard before. So most of these beings turn off that skill set so as to not to draw attention to themselves. Right. And what, what they do is they keep more of those subtle functionalities online. Because one, the subtle functionalities, you're much less likely to develop an ego mind identity and use it for attention. And real masters know not to, uh, you know, open up a Vegas show to levitate, you know, right? <laughs> they would never, a, a real yogic master would never do that, would absolutely never do that. So they turn off those abilities and they keep their higher intuitive functionality, maybe their healing abilities. They keep those things, but they keep those things on the ability to help heal others or, or reconstruct their body or things like that. Uh, but they they prefer not to do anything that would draw attention just for the sake of attention, because it could develop an ego mind identity, which actually lowers your frequency, which would make it harder to access those talents and abilities to begin with. They also don't want to become a target. They're well aware that if they started doing that, they would literally become a target and they would quickly be scooped up and uh, put into a lab and probably cloned. So they're not interested in doing that. Okay. Let's go back to one thing that you said, because I really want to get into this, because I don't I don't get to talk about this, but this one thing that you said too often. Okay. <clears throat> when I was a little kid, um, and I, we talked about this just real briefly. When I was a little kid, I used to just leave my body automatically. Uh, I certainly wasn't taught how to do it. Right. What we call astral projection, astral traveling, right? So I came into this world very detached uh, from identifying with human. That really hasn't changed. So just the ability to leave your body. Now, what I started to realize as a kid, and I certainly didn't hadn't developed an intellect enough to deconstruct it, but it was happening even as a kid. So when we talk about these parallel conditions, parallel realities and simulation theory, how I experience these things are like bubbles. 
So remember when we were kids, or maybe not even, maybe recently, you know, we would blow bubbles. Sure. All those. Okay. So that's actually how I experience these things. So each now, if you will, is a single bubble. And within that now, everything is contained within that now. Every possible past, every possible present, and every possible future, believe it or not, is contained. Sort of how a hologram in general works. It's all contained within one bubble. But when we blow those bubbles, right, there's all those other bubbles that are connected and they're sharing a membrane, right? So they are influencing one another. They are touching one another and they're all in the same space. Mm -hmm. So that's how I used to experience it and still experience it in that way in terms of parallel conditions, parallel realities, other versions of RJ, et cetera, et cetera, is it's like a bubble. And this is where we get fractals from. Now, the most interesting thing to, well, maybe not the most interesting thing, at least to me, the most interesting thing is that these bubbles already exist. We're not creating this. And this is part of why the simulation theory from my direct experience is not, that's why it's not entirely accurate. It's because the bubbles are already there. We're simply moving through them based upon how we're vibrating and our level of sentience, which we call consciousness. Sentience is our level of love and wisdom, our depth, amount or weight, believe it or not, of our love and wisdom, whose subsets are talents and abilities. That's really what we are. We're sentience given energy to create. Now, we are moving through these bubbles. The bubbles are already there. They're all there. And we are simply by the choices that we make, the way that we vibrate, what it is that we desire to experience, we are simply moving through these bubbles that are already exist. So that's that's how I experience that. And then the last thing that you said, because you said so much, I want to make sure that I because uh, I love I love these kind of conversations and questions, Alex. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we talked about various levels of consciousness. Okay, absolutely. So our God, our Source, our Creator, decided to create using variants. Okay. Now there really are other God source creators, just like our God source creators. They really, they really are. And the Hindu masters knew about this, and I talk about this. So uh, and experience this. So our our God, our source, our Creator created the multiverse, and within that multiverse, it made creations of creations, and it decided to create through variants. So what what that means is it decided to learn by using variants. Really, is a more accurate way of saying it. So no two souls have the same level of sentience. Mm -hmm. The level of sentience that is Alex is not the level of sentience that is RJ, and the level of sentience RJ is not the same as my neighbor, et cetera, et cetera. So this is the same with everything. And just like you said, a cat or a dog, whatever, has more sentience than a tree. This is rather obvious, right? And a human being in general has more sentience than a cat or a dog. This is also rather obvious, right? Now, God decided to create by using variants. Because that way it could experience every possible possibility about all the different minutiae that could be experienced and therefore learn about the minutiae of itself by creating through variance. So this is why we see all these different levels of what people call consciousness. Consciousness and sentience are not necessarily the same thing. So when something becomes sentient, right. it, it can evolve itself through its own creativity. That is when something becomes sentient. Conscious can just be self-aware. Conscious can be able to perform a task. I'll give you a, an example, like our cells in our body, 
have a certain level of consciousness. They, they sure. do not have they do not have sentience. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. They cannot adapt through their own creativity. Mm-hmm. So they're not at that level. Now you start to look at animals and there's there's various levels of this. And I can explain because there's essentially five levels in terms of God created higher selves that projected pieces of itself. And there's five different genres of higher selves. And this lends itself into the, the understanding that God created using variants because that way it could understand the minutia of itself by creating different levels of sentience instead of making everything all one thing. So that's that's what you see here. And there's nothing more interesting in anywhere, in any place. And I mean it, and I've been everywhere, and I mean it. There's no place more interesting than Earth. And the reason why there's no place more, from my perspective and from many other beings' perspective, is because of human beings are an experiment. And they're the experiment in individualized free will. Believe it or not, nowhere else this exists. Okay? Everywhere else, it's some form of a hive mentality. Okay, whether whether less sentient than human beings or more sentient than human beings, the idea behind human beings and the individualized free will experiment is that it portends the greatest efficacy and evolution of consciousness possible, that everyone gets to evolve in their own way and in their own time. The original idea is that if we were given free will to evolve, evolve ourselves as we desire, that we could skyrocket our evolution. That we wouldn't be bound through uh, through groupthink, which, by the way, you can see that happening right now is forcing everyone into groupthink. That's another conversation. Mm-hmm. But you can see that the counter to the individualized free will experiment is groupthink and conformity. So this is what this is what makes human beings to well, not just to me, uh, of special interest is the individualized free will project because when we start to operate properly, there's no limit on the efficacy of our own evolution of consciousness, because each one of us has individualized free will to evolve as rapidly as we like. And only a human being at this level of sentience is given that gift of individualized free will. That's fascinating. It's fascinating. And because you're absolutely right. I mean, you, every single one of these ascended masters at one point or another had to deal with everything that we're dealing with. And they just were able to rise through it at a, uh, not even necessarily a faster pace, just a different pace uh, than others. But, you know, even, even, I mean, if you just look at Yogananda's story, he, he had to figure stuff out. <laughs> he was, I mean, he wasn't born, not there, to my understanding, there isn't a master or ascended master that just shows up out of the womb going, I'm here. Please all understand that I know it. It doesn't work that way. They, when they incarnate in the human form, there is the problems with the human form. And from my understanding too, when ascendant masters choose to come down and help humanity, let's say, like a Jesus or or a Yogananda or a Buddha or something like that, they take the risk of potentially bringing on ego. They could devolve a bit because there's stuff down here that they can kind of grab onto if they're not careful because that's the nature of this reality. Like if you're playing a video game and like, I got shot by an arrow, that's the nature of the game you're playing. Arrows are being thrown. There's nothing, you can't stop that. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So we, yeah, let's, let's, let's look at this. It's a, okay. So uh, the first thing we can say about Ascended Masters is that they are, they are not directly in the evolutionary cycle. 
So they are inserted into the evolutionary cycle as they are the true teachers of humanity. Mm -hmm. So they never needed to incarnate. They were created with a certain level of sentience where incarnation into the lower frequencies of the physical universe does not afford them any real evolution. In a sense, they're already beyond it. They're already past it. Mm. So when they do show up at this point, they show up out of love. They show up out of service because in that sense, there's really nothing, nothing here for them. Mm. Okay. Now, an authentic ascended master actually cannot accrue karma. They're past the law of karma because of their own high frequency. They actually can't get attached or addicted to anything here. There's a natural level of detachment that they carry because of their supremely high frequency right. that they never get encumbered here. But with that, but I didn't mean to interrupt you, but that happens when they, they arrive at that level. But when they're born, like when Jesus showed up, there was a 30 year gap. He was figuring stuff out. And, and, that, and that's an argument. And that's a conversation to be had of what happened. That's always a fascinating conversation of what happened to Jesus during those 30 years. But during those 30 years is the point where he's, figuring it out to the point where he does become self-realized. So isn't that the danger point of possibly, you know, hey, man, I like alcohol. I don't think it's going to happen that way. But you know what I mean? They might get caught up in human frailties in that period as they're evolving in one way, shape or form. Yeah. Human frailties uh, and karma are not necessarily the same. Correct. Yeah. Now, do they have to wake themselves up? Well, of course, they have to wake themselves up because they're having a human experience as well. They're subjected to the to the low frequencies, to the brainwashing, to the conditioning, all of these things. And there's also a you know, severe loss of consciousness when we're projected all the way down here. And for a supremely advanced being, it's even more severe, to be quite honest. Right. So uh, but karma in terms of addiction, they actually can't get it. But can they get uh, can they struggle? Is it possible for them not to fully wake up? Yes. It's possible. But most of the time that doesn't happen because they're wise enough to make sure that there are certain events that they plan within their life plan, that they are assured within themselves that when this event happens, they will fully wake up. So they and that's part of what the light. And, and by the way, this is the same for everybody. It's just a little different with the Ascended Masters. We the, the data points in our life plan, they're actually designed for us to become self-realized. The point of incarnation is to not to incarnate again. It's not to do this tens of thousands of times over and over again. Right. I am just as obsessed with the efficacy of the evolution of consciousness, which is why I'm actually here. This is is. It is my obsession, the evolution of consciousness with the greatest efficacy is what gets me up in the morning, what makes me incarnate, to be quite frankly. So not waking up is very difficult for an ascended master for it not to happen. Something will occur for them. And sure. then it's a, then it's about how deeply do they go within? And also, most ascended masters don't incarnate without the other supremely advanced beings around them in some way or another. And we'll, and I'll just mention this about Jesus. <clears throat> so obviously, Master, Master Sananda, Jesus Christ is known as Master Sananda. So Master Sananda, when he incarnated, his earthly father, Joseph, is an ascended master. He's had incarnations known as St. Germain, Plato, Moses, mm. Merlin. Christopher Columbus, to name a few. So his earthly father is an ascended master. Mary, his earthly mother, not 
technically an ascended master, but operates at the exact same level as an ascended master. Mm -hmm. So if we just start to look at this, and John the Baptist was also an ascended master. So if we start to look at this, most of the time, an ascended master is doing extremely important work that actually only they can do. Mm -hmm. So they kind of set themselves up for success while giving themselves the simultaneously giving themselves incredible challenges to overcome. But most of the time when they incarnate, they don't incarnate as the sole master and they're able to rely upon one another and they form deep, deep relationships that transcend space and time. And another one is uh, Merlin, who was also St. Germain and Moses and et cetera, et cetera, and Plato, uh, King Arthur, Triyudishwar is also the ascended master known as Amoria. So they often work together over and over and over again. So they they never kind of do it completely solo. Yogananda, right? Tree of Dishwar, right? Yeah. Here, so here this, yeah. There you go. So they, they normally do it this way because it helps ensure their success. And also I think there's, uh, oh, can I say that? Uh, there's such a deep love and respect between them and that they know that out of anyone that they can rely on each other. Because when, when we have the human experience, as you said, the frailties and this and that, ascended masters seem to have a level of determination uh, yeah. that de determination's not the right word. So will, they're will. able to rely. Their will. Got it. Exactly. Yeah. Their will yeah. is something that's uh, unparalleled. Well, then someone like Buddha, I'm not, I'm not as familiar. I mean, I do, I've studied Buddha's path, but I don't remember those kind of characters around him, though I'm sure they were. And he did struggle a tremendous amount uh, mm -hmm. to get to, to get to uh, enlightenment, uh, you know, and fighting. Like he, he, he went down the wrong paths multiple times trying to, trying to get to where he was going. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. So it, it, that's why I love Buddha's story at Siddhartha is because it is such a wonderful analogy or a fable for life that even this ascended master, mm -hmm. they got to go through stuff. They don't just show up, you know, which goes against, you know, religions around Jesus because they just like he was born, yada, yada, yada. I'm, I'm enlightened. And now I'm here to save you all. Like, I'm like, well, what, go back to the yada, yada, yada. What happened during the yada, yada? It's very important there. It's not like he was yeah. a year. He went off on, you know, a European vacation. Like it was, he, you know, there was something they had to figure out during that time. And there is a lot of texts and things like that, um, that he went to India and, mm -hmm. you know, and studied with uh, many of the um, mm -hmm. yogis and things like that. Cause it just makes sense. It just that yep. makes sense. Uh, and in, and in India, there is a lot of, text historical text about mm -hmm. um i forgot what they called him they had another, another name for jesus um but the one thing is like what did you ever hear of jesus yes whatever happened to him is like oh he went back to his country and he was crucified um we loved him here though and it was like mm -hmm. fast it was just fascinating but all right so because we can go down the ascended master rabbit hole <laughs> deeply um so i wanted to talk a little bit about Again, now we're going to go deeper, go back into, into quantum physics, dark matter, the dark matter field of being able to, the, the emptiness, the space between the space, which is at a, at a micro level, 
the space between electrons, the space between atoms. There is that space, and, and that space is the potentiality of creation. Is that make sense? And can you guys dive into that a little bit? Yeah, it, it makes sense. It's just from my direct experience, it's inaccurate. There's no such thing as dark matter. Okay. Okay. Lack There's, of a better word. Right. What's what's there is that we're not able to see it yet. And we're not able to understand it yet. Okay. Another way to look at it is that it's all light. Everything is light. And if we're seeing it as dark, it's because we're vibrating at such a level that we can't recognize the light. Mm-hmm. So it's there's there's no such real thing as dark matter. And as we talked about earlier, everything is consciousness, right? Various levels, incredibly, you know, incredibly vast in terms of the variance of, of consciousness and sentience. But dark matter, when we are operating, I would say, in about the fifth frequency, the idea of dark matter will will have vanished because we'll be in such our own holistic. It's like, let me back up. We'll make it easy. I have to use analogies. Okay. So I would say right now, Alex. The third frequency, what we people say we're in the third dimension. We're in the third frequency. Uh, energy exists frequentially. It doesn't exist dimensionally. D- dimensions house frequencies. Okay, mm-hmm. so we are in the third frequency of the first full dimension from my direct experience. Okay. Right now, what it's like for us, okay, it's kind of like being completely underwater, right? And we all know what that's like. Can't see very well, can't hear very well. Access to information is incredibly limited, very limited functionality and very limited mobility when you're underwater. Okay. Now when we go up on land, whoa, okay, can see for miles, access to information, can hear, can move around, greatly enhanced uh, functionality and mobility. Okay. The difference between where we are right now and the fourth full frequency is greater than Neanderthal man and Star Trek. This is the difference, but a full frequency cannot be, it has to be experienced in terms of the difference of the holistic nature of the environment and therefore your consciousness. And once we get to about the fifth frequency or what people call the fifth dimension, we'll start to realize and be able to see that there is no such thing as dark matter. It's more light. It's just light that we're not evolved enough to see at this moment. And that's why part of what you said is on the money, potentiality, right? That's exactly right. Everything is potentiality because it's a level of consciousness. And at that point in the fifth frequency, we'll be able to start to see these things. And then once we get to the seventh frequency, there's no such thing from a human perspective as negativity. Because in the seventh frequency, the holistic nature of everything, you cannot have ill will towards anything or anyone because it is tangibly apparent that it's all one thing. So having ill will towards another or doing something, we'll use the word negative from a human, there is no negative, but from a human perspective, doing something to another would literally be like doing it to yourself. So all of this starts to change at the seventh frequency and where we are on the third frequency, of course, we're too clueless to realize that it's really all one thing. And that's why we keep harming each other and harming ourselves. Well, and this is what, I mean, this is what Jesus talked about. This is what Buddha talked about. It's like, we are all one. Yeah. We are all different um, projections of source energy, unique projections of source energy um, in these in these bodies. Uh, not that we're like separate souls dangling in space, but actually different. We're all connected. And if you start to look at the way nature works, it's a perfect analogy of what we should be doing, where if you look at an ecosystem, it is perfect. 
if it's not harmed, it, it's just perfect. The, the the apex predator takes care of this, and and then everything moves along, and then the trees drop the leaves, with the, the owl picks up the leaves, and and then the, the rats are there. Like it, it all works so beautifully on a macro level. And then if you start getting into the micro levels of what's happening under the ground and in the soil and in the water, it all works perfectly because it's all yeah. one organism. Um, if we could use that as an analogy, I think life would change dramatically. Yeah, the, the, exactly. Alex, the problem is that the five, we, we redo, upon incarnation into the lower frequencies, of the physical universe, which is where you and I are right now, it's such a severe loss of consciousness. And we get here, we don't know who we are. What are we supposed to do? How did we get here? Who am I, right? Total, total amnesia. Now, what reinforces this amnesia and then the creation of the egomon identity is that our five physical senses are projected outwardly, right? Mm -hmm. So everything is about outside of you. So instead of going within and rekindling our connection to where we come from, right? We do the opposite. We seek outwardly because the five, because it's easier. The five physical senses are projected outwardly. So what we then do is we start identifying with the suit itself and then the beliefs, the concepts, the ideologies, and all the things that are floating around within this realm. Meanwhile, none of those things are actually you, and none of those things have anything to do with you. And it's all because if we reduce ourselves to body consciousness, which is identification with the body, and as soon as you identify with the body, the physical world becomes real. And now your higher mind is completely clamped off. And now there's no way to reconnect with that kind of mindset. And this is what creates the ego mind identity. The ego mind identity, as you've heard me say, probably everybody's heard me say, the ego mind identity is a limitation program that runs by thinking. And so what is the remedy for thinking? Meditation. Right. Now, meditation is simply to be present. Getting engaged and engulfed in whatever you're doing is meditation. Right. Because the rational, finite, limited human mind shuts down. This is the whole key to our ascension, to the superhuman, to achieving goals. It is the flow state. It is the momentum. And the only thing that blocks that is the rational thinking mind, the ego mind identity. The whole key is to be able to be present and marry ourselves to the present moment. If we can fall in love, fall in love with our own stillness and our own inner silence, the connectivity and the communion that you were describing earlier will become apparent and tangible, but you can't do that with the thinking mind. Because it's terrified. The egoic mind right. is terrified. It runs on fear, fear of itself being irrelevant, fear of what's around the corner. And that fear is the reason why we constantly are looking outward because it's all it can see. And it's also extremely intoxicating, the, the physical. That's one of the, it's, it's extremely intoxicating. There's pleasures down here and experiences down here that you just can't experience in spirit. You know, you, you just can't. I always joke anytime I talk to a channel or a medium or, or something or an ascended master coming through a channel or something, I'll go, so on the other side, is there a bar? Um, are they watching movies? Like what, what, how do they, how do they spend their, they're a day, uh, for lack of a better word. Like, is there a bar where all the Ascended Masters chill out, have a drink? Like, what's going on on the other side? But, you know, it's, 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 I'm joking about that, but down here it is intoxicating. And some people go so far into the intoxication that it destroys them. 
That, and that you got it. And that's what karma is. So karma, we I think for most of us, we have a, a, a misunderstanding because we don't have a, a, a tangible understanding of what it is. We think of, you know, you, you push somebody down and then two seconds later, someone knocks you over. Instant oh, karma. Instant karma. Right. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. Okay, that is that is not it's not even remotely close to what karma is. Okay, so that's cause and effect. Karma is the addiction or attachment to anything here. Now, when we when we think about addiction and attachment, okay, okay, here's here's another silly analogy, right? I like silly analogies, right? So let's think about Spider Man <laughs> shooting his spider web, right? So sure. he shoots shoots the spider web to the building, right? So he's now attached to that building with his spider web. Okay. Karma is the spider web, and it's your energy that you're using to become addicted and attached. Now, if your energy is addicted and attached to something here, where are you going? You're going nowhere. This is what karma actually is. It's addiction and attachment. Now, you can only undo the addiction and attachment in the location that you actually stuck yourself. Hence, you have to keep coming back here. This is the whole point. This is part of what my obsession is about. So we can start to change this for humanity because this we don't have to operate this way. We can and we have, but we don't have to. So the karma is addiction or attachment, Alex. Cause and effect, not the same thing. So part of our journey of becoming a, a master, of becoming completely and utterly self-aware of every notion that we give birth to, we have to not only give birth to the notion, but be on the receiving end of that notion. So that way we completely understand it as a masterful creator. So as an example, or as an analogy, uh, let's pick on used car salesmen. Why not? Everyone else does. Okay. So you have, you have a car, right? Uh, that you're going to get the biggest commission on. Right. And some some uh, mom comes in. She's got her four kids. Right. She's like, you know what I really need? I need a minivan. I'm always taking my kids here and there and this and that. Right. And the, the salesman's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I understand. I got the perfect car for you. And he points her to some sports car that he gets a big commission on. Right. And somehow convinces her to buy that car. It is not what she needs. Absolutely not what she needs. Right. And he knows it. OK. So the point is this. He took advantage of someone in need. OK, that's what happened. And he's aware of it. And he did it. So in order to understand fully what he what notion that he gave birth to, to understand it completely, he now has to receive that as well. So there's going to be a point where he's going to be in need and someone is going to take advantage of him. Now he really understands from a total perspective of what it is that he gave birth to. That's just one example. But that's cause and effect. Karma is addiction or attachment by using your energy. And hence, this is the problem with the evolution, or one of the problems with the evolutionary cycle is because of just what you said. So intoxicating here, physicality, density, the tangibility of our intentions, which doesn't exist anywhere else. The tangibility of our intentions, what does it feel like, right? Only here, only in the low frequencies of the physical universe. But once we become immersed and identify ourselves with this and what's going on, and then we become attached and addicted, this is what creates karma. And karma essentially stops the evolution of consciousness because it's like failing second grade over and over and over and over again. It's like you're not learning anything new. So when we start to understand these things in a, in a more clear way, 
we're going to be able to transcend them and then we won't have to repeat we don't have to repeat these things over and over again so the concept of <clears throat> quantum entanglement i love to hear what you have to say in regards to that with the spiritual or metaphysical twist on it and first explain it if you can explain what quant quantum entanglement is the basic understanding of what quantum entanglement is and why it's pissing off physicists everywhere around the world because they can't explain it but yet it's a phenomenon that is can be tested again and again and they just don't understand it i think it wasn't wasn't it einstein's i think einstein said something in regards to quantum entanglement or something along it was like it's a something annoying they can't figure out it's like the placebo effect it just pisses off Okay, so well, I'm going to come to quantum entanglement in a second. I I would love to explain the placebo effect from a higher from a higher consciousness perspective. Saying absolutely, absolutely explain it. Okay, yeah. placebo effect. Placebo effect is scientific proof that we heal ourselves. Right Here, here's a sugar. You know, you got something wrong with you. Here's a sugar pill, and you're fine. Okay, but what really happened? What is going on here? I mean, it's a sugar pill. What what just occurred? So, from my perspective, common spiritual fiction is that we heal ourselves through belief. Okay, that's a step in the right direction, absolutely, but it is not accurate. Only the truth heals. So the truth has to do with an inner knowingness or authenticity. It's when you know, which is a very specific frequency and state of consciousness. It's knowing that you're going to get better, which sends the signal to the mind-body to enhance its self-repair and self-healing mechanism. It's an inner knowingness and we heal ourselves, hence a sugar pill, right? So it's not belief, it's inner knowingness. It's that tangible authenticity of knowing. And we all know what that feels like. We just rarely give ourselves permission to heal. We think it has to be through a tincture or this or that or whatever, or through RJ, or whatever. No, so that the placebo effect has to do with an inner knowingness, which is a specific state of consciousness or frequency. And that sets the mind, body, self-repair, self-healing into motion. So that's really what is going on with the placebo effect. Okay. Quantum, well, this, I mean, does that sort of make sense? It's just a little further. It's yeah. just a little bit. It's There's a difference between belief and knowing. And you oh, can, it, you know, it, it's, 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 there is a massive difference between it because a belief, like, and I use, I've used this example before. A belief is uh, when you when I was told something in when I was in the Catholic Church and said, well, you know, if you eat meat on Fridays, uh, you go to hell. The concept of hell. You believe that. But when the concept, because you were told it and you didn't have any other reference points and you didn't have and it, you, it was a belief. But when the concept of reincarnation was introduced into my life, mm -hmm. I said, oh, that I get that. It, it, it's a knowing. Mm -hmm. it, 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 and it, it and it's not from an egocentric place. Yeah. It just rung so true in my mind and in my soul that I was like, "That is a knowing." So, regardless of what other people's beliefs might be, and they could be whatever they want because everyone's on their own, you know, ev ev evolutionary journey. Mm -hmm. Again, not bashing any kind of religion. You do what you got to do. Um, but for me, when I heard that concept. I was like, oh, that makes so much more sense to me. And it rings true. It was a knowing. So there's not anyone that can tell me something differently because it's a truth. It's a universal truth that cannot be really opposed. 
in a if you have a strong understanding of who you are and what it rings true to you, which is what I say about every single thing I do on this show. If it rings true to you, use it. If it doesn't, dismiss it and move on. Hmm. There's there doesn't need to be anything in between, you know, because no. I when I, and I use this analogy as well sometimes. When I first read autobiography for a, of a yogi, I did not get it. I wasn't there. I was in my twenties. It was introduced to me. I read it. The second he started talking about levitation and being in two places at the same time, I was out. I'm like, this is just, whoa. Like my my mind had not evolved to a place where I could even conceive these ideas that we're talking about so freely. And maybe somebody listening to this conversation right now is in the same place. And that's okay. But what it did do, it planted the seed of an idea. And then 10 years later, when I picked the book up again, I was like, oh, okay, this makes, okay, now I get it. And it was just a different place evolution, you know, in, in, in your evolution that I was ready for that information. But that necessity, even being born Catholic, being born in a Catholic family was a necessity to start planting seeds of something larger than yourself. Covered in dogma. Right. Covered in a lot of stuff that you have to kind of mud your way out of from my perspective. But without that, without that basis, if I was born into an atheist family. I don't know if I would have gone down this path. Maybe I would have gone down another, maybe I would have ended up here anyway, but it's just a point of view. So, Go ahead, sir. <laughs> yeah. The, so beliefs. Okay. Let, let's look at belief. Well, you know, people use that word all the time. But what, what is it, right? What, what is a belief? So, well, beliefs, and we'll break it down metaphysically what a belief, at least what it looks like from a higher mind perspective. So, but beliefs are what we use when we don't know. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show right? We choose to believe, right? Now, because we have the fall of man is the fallen frequency, okay? We used to exist in a much higher state, right? We talk about these different frequencies, the fourth, the fifth, the sixth, the seventh, right? We used to, we used to all operate, because we've all had incarnations in these higher states of consciousness, these higher frequencies, where there was an inner knowingness. Beliefs didn't exist. They served no purpose. We knew there was there was direct connectivity. Now, as we started to the fall of man is the fall in frequency. And as we started to come down in frequency, we lost the connectivity to the knowingness. We lost the inner knowingness. And what did we replace it with? Beliefs. So beliefs are what we use when we don't know. Now, I say this all the time with all respect to everybody. Beliefs are for children. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you still believe in Santa Claus? Mm-hmm. Right. Or have you outgrown that? Okay. The whole, the only mandate of existence is to know thyself. Right. And all thy infinite potential. The word belief's not in there for a reason. Okay. We can no longer evolve our consciousness, Alex, individually or as a collective through beliefs. In fact, Master right. Uh, Jesus Christ took that as far as as it could be taken. He purified, (laughs) literally, the belief in him. This is as far as you can take purity. He did it. He mastered it. Okay. 
we have now moved into a completely different age, the age of Aquarius, the age of St. Germain, right? And all his other incarnations. This has to do with the experiential knowingness because consciousness can't evolve through beliefs because from a metaphysical perspective, Alex, a belief, if we could see it, a belief is anything whose landing spot lies outside of the self. I believe in a heaven out there. Okay. There is nothing outside of the self. The self is everything. The all is in the one and the one is in the all. The I am is whole and complete. It is divinity. It is perfection. It lacks nothing, nothing. So by the very definition, the metaphysical definition of a belief that something whose landing spot is lights outside of yourself is completely untrue. There is nothing outside of yourself. God is within your consciousness. And this is why we can no longer evolve through beliefs. And that's why I say half jokingly, beliefs are for children. Still believe in Santa Claus or the, right, the Easter bunny, right? No. Okay. The key is to know. And that's just what you were talking about. It is the inner knowingness. This is the age that we're entering into. And I call this the wisdom that transcends knowledge. What it is that I share is the wisdom that transcends knowledge. Because the only real knowledge is gnosis, which is the, which is the knowledge of self. So-called knowledge are just mental machinations. Beliefs are just justified strings of thought that we have tied together. They're theoretical assumptions that have nothing to do with tangibility. So when we start to work with knowingness, the evolution of consciousness is working with its greatest efficacy. When we start working with beliefs, your consciousness is not evolving because your, your attention is on something outside of you. It's an illusion. It's an illusion. And when we start to go within, right, everything, everything changes. We change, the world changes, and a rising tide lifts all ships. As we raise our frequency, right, individually, this is, and this starts to lead into quantum entanglement. Notice how this is all connected, right? What a coincidence, right? So this starts to lead to quantum entanglement. It is all connected. You do something over here and it actually affects something over there because it is all one thing. It's absolutely all one thing. It's unexplainable through the five senses or the intellect. It's absolutely unexplainable. But at a certain level of consciousness, this can actually be experienced. This can absolutely be experienced. We can reach a level of sensitivity. Right. Our more subtle bodies are directly connected to our nervous system. Okay, the medical profession does is not is nowhere near here with what we're talking about. So our more subtle bodies of energy and about 70% of what we are escapes physical sensory perception. So when we look at one another, Alex, we see about 30% of what we really are, right? When you totally lose your mind, you can actually see more, more of what, what we actually are, right? So these subtle, our subtle bodies of energy are directly connected to our nervous system. And this has to do with quantum entanglement. Something occurs over here, your subtle bodies of energy can actually feel it and it affects you. What you do, what something someone does in Japan affects what someone does in Georgia. It absolutely does. And it's because of these subtle bodies of energy are so, they're completely and utterly connected to everything. It is all one thing. But to be able to experience it as one thing, you can't do that with your suit or your human finite mind. It, it's a completely different understanding. We're going in the right direction, but it's going to take a, a higher state of consciousness and probably only when we're in a higher frequency that we're actually really tangibly understand this and see it.
It was, I, I think I remember hearing Yogananda say that he stopped reading books yeah. because he's like, I don't need them anymore. I don't want to pollute my own, my own experience with other people's yeah. beliefs and ideas. Uh, with that said, everyone listening, books have their place. For him, it didn't make any sense anymore because he had all that knowing. He had he was able to tap into the universal knowledge that that masters uh, and souls can when they're on the other side. Yeah. But with um, what knowledge truly is, is just a trigger for you to remember what it was that you already knew, mm-hmm. as opposed to a cup that you're pouring information in. It's a trigger. To go, oh yeah, reincarnation, got it. It's not that I learned that, is I remembered it. And when you remember it, it is it becomes a knowing as opposed to a belief in many, many ways, depending on how you look at it. And, and that's a question I'd love to ask you, because people always talk about, you know, when we start talking about these ideas of like there is a universal knowledge, Akashic records, these kind of things, ideas that have been around for thousands of years. Why is it in the last 150 years, we have done more than the last 6,000 in technology, in what we're able to do, the advancements. It's not that math just showed up, that we created math. No, math has been there. Physics has been there. We just couldn't see these ideas didn't remember these ideas. It's not that man created engineering, because let's not even get into the pyramids, but <laughs> but it's not that we created this new technology. It's now we're remembering that we were able to tap into this information. And on a more metaphysical standpoint, this information is being leaked out through individuals at the time period where it is beneficial for humanity. Because God forbid, can you imagine if the nuclear bomb was in the hands of Genghis Khan or Alexander mm-hmm. the Great or in the Roman times? We would have blown ourselves up a thousand times. Not that, that we're far off, by the way, uh, of doing that now, but we seem to be a little, obviously we haven't done it yet, so we're still a little bit farther along. But what do you think of that? Yeah, this, oh, so let's go back to El Moria, right? Uh, and one of his incarnations is Sri Yukteswar. So Sri Yukteswar wrote a book called The Holy Science. Correct. Right? Okay. Very difficult read. No oh, disrespect. No dis- yeah, no no disrespect to, read, to Master M, right? Okay. But, uh, you know, obviously there's a, a supreme uh, consciousness. But, okay, let, but let's just break that down in a, in a way that we can actually use and understand. All right. So what he was talking about are the yugas, right? So yeah. he was talking about, so from a human perspective, because we think, we place ourselves in time, just, just follow me for a second. So thinking creates the illusion of time and the delusion of knowledge. Okay. So thinking is always a past, future, past, future, past, future. That's okay. So human beings lock themselves in time through thought, and then therefore everything becomes a process. First there's A, then there's B, then there's C, then... Okay. Doesn't have to be that way. Doesn't have to be that way. All right. So from a human perspective, we talk about time, right? Okay. What's really happening is, let's use an analogy. This is, uh, okay, I won't say where this is coming from. So let's think of think of a, a flower, right? Okay, so a flower starts off and then begins to bloom and then opens up, right? 
And then all of a sudden, the same thing starts to die, starts to wilt, starts to go back down. And the same process just keeps happening over and over and over again. Okay, this is consciousness itself over and over and over again. So to answer your question directly, why is this information coming to the surface now? Why are there certain souls here presenting wisdom or knowledge that you know wasn't here 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40, whatever you want to call it, right? It's because we are just starting to bloom, my friend. This is the reason why. So that flower needs light and it needs water. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. It needs it, right? So this is the wisdom and the love that is being poured out by the more evolved beings that keep showing up here. So we just go through this cycle over and over and over again. And the reason why we do this over and over and over again, and why there's no permanent state of enlightenment, is because, let's, let's use an analogy, just because it's easier. So let's imagine we're looking at a statue, Alex. Front-facing, we're looking at a statue. It's Plato. We're front-facing looking at a statue. An entire evolutionary cycle or one yuga, 26,000, whatever, 25,200. 24, yeah, something like that, yeah. Yeah, something, you know, in that ballpark, right? Okay. So now let's let's use the 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 statue of Plato as, a, as an analogy. And that the entire evolutionary cycle, it would be our job to understand every single minutia about that statue. Every single nook and cranny, every single millimeter of that statue, we have to completely and utterly understand, right? Staring right at us, we understand that from top to bottom, there's nothing has escaped us. That would be one entire evolutionary cycle. But what does that statue look like from the back? Let's do it again. Let's do the whole thing again. Here's another 25,200 years of making sure we understand the minutiae of everything from the back. Okay. Okay. Now that we did that, we're done. No. How about from the top looking down? Okay. Let's. What about from the bottom looking up? Okay. Let's the do inside. that. Right. <laughs> well, how about from a different frequency? How about from right? So now you're starting to see that this is this is literally endless. So this evolutionary cycle it never actually stops. Now we attribute it to time. Time doesn't even exist. It right. literally does not exist. It exists because we think. As soon as you stop thinking, you transcend time. Talking about the ascended masters. They transcend time. Their access to wisdom and information is unparalleled because they have mastered the physicality in terms of the ego mind identity. It doesn't affect them anymore, right? They have conquered the lower consciousness. So therefore, they have access to these things. It's why they can bilocate and do all these kind of things, put their bodies back together and all this kind of stuff. This is the exact reason why. So the, to come back to what you said, why is it happening right now? Because we are just starting to bloom, my friend. We are just starting to bloom. 2023 is one of the most important years in human history ever. And I'll tell you why. The number 23, anyone who understands the occult, and where does occult come from, by the way? It comes from the oculists, ocular, those that can see. So all this profound esoteric or occult knowledge comes from these profound beings, by the way. And that's why it's called the occult, because it has to do with ocular being able to see with true vision. Mm -hmm. So the number 23 in occult uh, traditions, esoteric wisdom of the occult, it is the signal of physical immortality. Two 
mind, body, three, mind, body, spirit. 23 together is the indication of dominance or transcendence over physicality. And this is part of our awakening into higher frequencies and higher states of consciousness. 23 is a vital year for human beings, far more than they realize, far more. This is where we start to leave the ego mind identity and the identification with physicality. And it becomes less and less and less and we move more and more and more towards the immortal self or the I am or the sentience. 23 is the key year. And human beings, whether they realize it or not, are making a choice this year. If they haven't already, they are going to be forced into making a choice this year. They're either going in the direction of mind, body, spirit, or they're going in the direction of mind, body. And 23 is the key year. And that's where it comes from. 23 has to do with that. And occult is ocular from those that can see. And our whole world, our whole world is occult. Fascinating, sir. We can keep going for hours. Um, <laughs> one other one other thing I want to ask you in regards, uh, going back to the Ascendant Masters, um, as you notice, there's a little statue behind me. Um, I have the big version of him over there. Um, the, um, the Mahavata, the, the Mahavatar? Yes. Babaji. Yes. Um, can you talk a little bit about him? Because it's, it's something that Yogananda spoke about. Um, he, there's many people who have spoken about uh, Babaji over the years. He is such an interesting figure in the history of humanity yeah, and continues to be uh, to this day. So I'd love to hear your point of view of him as an ascended master. Master Babaji is, from my direct experience, is the most advanced being that has ever walked the earth. Mm -hmm. uh, and dare I say, it's not a competition. But if it was, it'd be no competition. So he is the master of masters. So every ascended master has been trained and studied with Babaji. He's the only being that can materialize and dematerialize his physical body at will. He never ages. He always looks like he's about 23 years old with perfect skin. For anyone who's actually met him or actually worked with him, this is exactly how it works. And where, by the way, when Christ disappeared for all those years, that's exactly where he went. If you did not already know that, something tells me you already did know that. Mm -hmm. That's exactly where he went. Master Babaji has taught every ascended master. His higher self, right? We are a projection or a piece, an aspect or a soul, right? If we think of a, I know it's my fist, but if we think of an octopus projecting a tentacle. You and I, a soul, are, are an aspect of our higher self. His higher self, Babaji's resides at the very, very, very tip top of the entire multiverse, literally at the top. Now, based upon how sentient the higher self is, that is where it resides within the multiverse. You think of a, a high-rise building, and the top floor is the, is the most sentient. And as you come down, a little less sentient, a little less sentient, a little less sentient. Babaji is literally at the membrane of the entire multiverse. And most ascended masters, their higher selves, are in the sixth dimension and then into the seventh, eighth, and ninth. His is at the twelfth. He is the teacher of teachers. He is the master of masters. So that's who Mahavatar Babaji is. And he's taught every ascended master pretty much everything that they know. And he is chosen to be here uh, because he's according, he's apparently supposed to be around for 2,500 years. 
um, is still living. He Babaji appears he can materialize and dematerialize at will. So it's difficult. Uh, I, I would say that he's not having a human incarnation. I would say he shows up whenever he feels like it. Whenever there is a student who is ready to work at that level, he simply appears in full, full suit, not as an apparition, in full suit. And Yogananda talked about his experience. I have not written about my experience This, uh, uh, in terms of interaction with him. He literally just shows up, but he works with those that are, that are ready to work in a very specific way. Mm-hmm. in total service and that have purified themselves and then only then can you even see babaji kind of like the dark matter you can't even see him right beings that are operating in such a high frequency way there we don't even see them because they're in a different frequency they're vibrating in a completely different frequency that escapes our physical sensory perception and babaji is is the he's the king of kings he comes and goes as he pleases and he always works in the background he always works in the background. And some ascended masters, some, have developed a skill set through various incarnations that they can actually work at the forefront. They've developed a human personality. They have a certain level of charisma about them. They're intoxicating. They're like looking at a, uh, an exotic fruit or a wild uh, a flower that you've never seen before. They're completely and utterly mesmerizing, an authentic ascended master. You can't take your eyes off them. And certain ones have developed a stage presence, if you will. And so they're the ones that end up being front-facing because they'll play whatever role they need to to move humanity forward. But there's no doubt whatsoever but Babaji is the most evolved being that's ever walked the earth, and he continues to show up whenever he's needed, and he has trained every single ascended master that has ever been here. Good explanation, my friend. I, <laughs> like I said, RJ, we could keep talking for days and weeks uh, <laughs> about the, the nature of reality and why we're here and all sorts of stuff. Um, but I'm going to ask you a few questions to ask all my guests. What is your definition of living a good life? Oh, personal happiness. Uh, what is your definition of God? Everything and everyone. And what is the ultimate purpose of life? Love. And where can people find out more about you and the good work you're doing? So my website is ascendthefrequencies.com. Uh, for those that haven't heard, I wrote a book about last year. Uh, it came out about last year, Supercharged Self-Healing. It's uh, the what captures the Ascend the Frequencies healing technique, which is the technique that I remembered uh, and how to put my destroyed body back together. I have a new book coming out in August, which some other time we'll talk about what that is. It's called Change Your Mind, but you can pre-order that. And there's various courses on my website from self-healing to self-mastery. And now I'm getting into manifestation. So I've been teaching people just the way I manifested my health. Manifestation, whether it's your health or money or this or that, is a repeatable process. And once you understand it, it can be repeated. So I'm starting to teach people the higher consciousness or enlightened metaphysics of what manifestation is. But the website, ascendofrequencies.com. <laughs> and um, and would you like to leave the audience with a final message? Yeah. Yeah. Do what you tangibly know to be true. 
what you tangibly know to be true. If someone, just like Alex said earlier, if someone says something and it just doesn't resonate, it just doesn't land, right? Don't listen and don't do it. Let me say that again. Don't listen and don't do it. Now, if it registers with you, you tangibly know it to be true, then be all over that, all over it. But if there's no resonance, that's the universe's way of working with you. If it's resonant with you, that means this is what you, you're in alignment with this. Work with this. That's what resonance is. It's alignment. If it's not tangibly true to you, don't touch it. Leave it alone. It means it's not for you. And this next couple of years is going to be very trying for humanity. That's why I'm talking about 2023 being an important year. Learn to invest in yourself, the self, because it's the only thing that provides limitless dividends in every single facet of your life and in every single incarnation. Invest in yourself. It's the only worthwhile investment. RJ, thank you again so much for coming back on the show. Uh, I look forward to seeing you again and so we can talk about your new book uh, at the end of the summer. But my friend, I appreciate you and the work that you're doing to awaken humanity, my friend. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Alex. It's my pleasure. We really enjoy talking to each other. I look forward to it next time. I want to thank RJ so much for coming on the show and sharing his knowledge with all of us. If you want to get links to anything we spoke about in this episode, please head over to the show notes at nextlevelsoul.com forward slash 227. And if you've only been listening to this over podcast and you want to watch these amazing conversations, please subscribe to our YouTube channel at nextlevelsoul.com forward slash YouTube. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, trust the journey. It is here to teach you. I'll talk to you soon.